The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I've learned a uh, a new perk for living really close to the radio station. That's because twice this week, the radio station has had its water turned off to do some work outside. A lot of people that work here live across town. It's not easy to just go home and go to the bathroom. I live less than a mile away. My life is just easier than others. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and uh, Travion Berklin. Just us two today. What's up, Trey? What are you up to? Midterms week, so just trucking. And you're taking how many hour credit hours this, this semester? 18. <sighs> That's a lot. Yep. Especially as a full-time slash part-time worker. You do both. Mm-hmm. You're a full-time and part-time worker at multiple jobs. Are you still working three jobs or four jobs? Just two. Oh, you're just down to two, two now. right now. What did you end up what are you not doing anymore? The car wash. Gotcha. The car wash, yeah. What what midterms are we taking? What's what do you think the toughest one will be? Or are you taking they're this week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I have three tomorrow alone. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna be up all night studying? Is it that kind of midterms? Well, this is my first night of the week without overnight so a little bit of that and then a lot of sleep too so what's your earliest class my earliest one is going to be 10 a.m tomorrow how are those grades looking they're actually not bad this semester what is actually not like are you a c plus student i'm like b's and a's right now oh that's yeah that's great you know my parents would have dreamed (laughs) that i had a's and b's but it just wasn't reality that's why i didn't go to a four-year school to be fair this is probably like the best semester i've had in college overall so like what was the worst i mean just like a ton of c's and b's well i mean but were you was travion ever a slacker yeah (laughs) more so in high school than now because now money's on the line sure in high school yeah i mean you're you know of course you're not paying what a thousand dollars a credit hour i don't know what it is but Feels like it's that's where we're at. Is it really? Jeez, that's that's crap. (laughs) But man, I, I, especially when I was a senior, and I was really like you know into sports, obviously. So I was playing. I I I played football. I ran track, and as a senior, I did not take any college courses. Which I, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I definitely should have. I would have been done with my JUCO stuff. Way earlier, I'm sure. I'm in the same boat. I didn't do any of that in high school, and I regret it now because all those people get to graduate a semester, even a year early, because they took college classes in high school. But also, I kind of don't regret taking college courses in high school because I had to do one extra semester that somebody would normally have at the JUCO level. So I did two and a half years at Cloud, but I also got another semester of like play-by-play experience that's good and radio experience and honestly that set me up to get the k-state soccer job right so maybe in my case in a rare one 
I was smart for not taking any college classes in high school. Although it would have been easy because the, the English teacher that taught English comp, we just watched movies. It nice. was the same class for this regular English and college course English. We watched, man, what, we watched a lot of Mel Brooks. Nice. We watched Blazing Saddles. I think we watched Blazing Saddles. I know we watched Young Frankenstein for sure. We just watched movies. And I'm like, this is... Sounds better than my English comp classic, Cloud. <laughs> I mean, there's there's probably seniors at Abilene and Chapman and Marysville and Wamigo and Concordia that are having to do like book reports and essays. Nope. I just got to show up and watch movies five days a week. Wow. What class do you, did you hate the most? Like at Cloud or K-State? Uh, wherever. Uh, High school, cloud, K-State, grade school. I just never was a math person. Like, I'm just never... I'm one of, Like, if I sat down and analyzed everything, I could figure it out, but my I'm just always putting it off, you know, when it comes to, like, algebra and all that stuff. There was once upon a time I thought I was a clock-reading prodigy. <laughs> it's because when I was in kindergarten... My teacher found out that I was really good at reading a clock. Like, I knew what the little hand meant. I knew what the big hand meant. The second clock, I know what it was counting. Right. Nobody else knew that. They're like, oh, my God, we might have, like, a genius on our hands. <laughs> Is this an Albert Einstein? And then I was drawing the number one down to up and they're like yeah this kid's an idiot <laughs> so down to up. maybe he is a kindergarten like would you just make the you know the bottom line and then go up and then like that well i remember um we were we were learning to write numbers mm-hmm. and she's like all right number one you go from top to bottom but i'm like what if you go down to up she's like no no uh, like lost it <laughs> like how even how, how dare you even bring that up that's weird I'm the I'm the college graduate. Did they teach You're five. you? They teach you cursive. Yeah, learn cursive. Uh, I think I'm fourth the, or fifth grade. I think I'm the last generation that like had to do cursive in third grade. Oh, it cursive is about dead. Yeah, at least it feels that way. Well, I don't. I'm I'm, I'm just like who uses cursive anymore? I, I haven't can't. written in cursive other than my signature since middle school. Right. I try to use it more now just to get better at it because I want to get better at it because mine's still like sloppy compared to like a lot of people. That's really fine and concise. All right. So sports. We got a lot to get to. It's going to be mostly me, of course, talking the sports. We got Mitch in Vegas, Curry Sexton coming up in hour number two. Uh, here in hour number one, you're going to hear from both K-State offensive and defensive coordinators, Colin Klein. Uh, and Joe Klanderman, plus later on uh, here in this first hour, we're going to hear from Ryan Hyatt, who's going to give us a breakdown of Texas Tech, where the Red Raiders are at right now. And I see uh, a lot of comparisons between K-State and uh, Texas Tech heading into Saturday's game. Real quick before we get to that, I, I am not even close right now to being in basketball mode at all, even though I believe uh, media day uh, for men's and women's basketball in the Big 12 or next week. I think it's Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're, what, three weeks away from the Cats playing their exhibition games? I'm, we're getting to that overlap season. We're getting really close. And I, I'm never ready for it. But the Big 12 announced its preseason teams 
uh, earlier today with the preseason poll. It's going to be announced tomorrow. I mean, my prediction, K-State will be picked to finish fourth. Um, KU, Texas, Houston would be the three teams ahead. Um, you know, maybe K-State at five, but my prediction would be four. But we got the preseason teams announced today. So here's the all-Big 12 preseason team. Uh, LJ Cryer, who transferred from Baylor, he's now at Houston, 6-1 guard. You have Max Asmus, who you know I thought K-State was close to landing, but he ends up going to Texas. Uh, he's a transfer from Oral Roberts and one of the best transfers in the country for the 2023 class. He's on the preseason team. Um, then you have Dewan Harris. That's not a surprise. KU. Um, Emmanuel Miller at TCU, not, not a surprise. And then definitely, like not even close to being surprised, this is the preseason player of the year. He's the preseason newcomer of the year. That was already determined once he picked KU when he uh, committed to Bill Self in a hotel conference room or whatever it was. Hunter Dickinson, the transfer, the big guy, 7'2 senior from Michigan, and he's going to be heading to Kansas. So, obviously, no cats in the preseason All-Big 12 team. Not a shock. That doesn't surprise me. One little surprise, and it's been talked about enough on social media, but I'll mention it here in a moment. Honorable mentions, K-State has a couple in the uh, honorable mentions. Arthur Kaluma, transfer from Creighton. Tyler Perry, uh, Conference USA Player of the Year, transfer from North Texas is also a honorable mention for K-State. So those are the two cats there, the two guys that will be replacing you know the roles of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson end up in the honorable mentions of the preseason All-Big 12. Ray J. Dennis of Baylor, Jalen Bridges of Baylor is in there. Also, Jacoby Walter, who's also the preseason freshman of the year, is an honorable mention. No shock whatsoever. That's probably the best high school recruit in the Big 12 this year. Five-star kid consensus, really strong player. I mean, the the, the tape is incredible. He's a five-star and, and really good. Jamal Sheed, I think that's how you say his last name. Houston, Kevin McCuller of Kansas. Uh, Dylan DeSue, um, expected it. Big guy from Texas, Tyrese Hunter of Texas, Dylan Mitchell of Texas, and uh, and Jesse Edwards of West Virginia. They, he's the only Mountaineer that made the all-preseason team is uh, the big man, the transfer from Syracuse, and Jesse Edwards. So... You know, not really one single uh, surprise other than no Naquan Tomlin. Naquan Tomlin does not make the honorable mention all Big 12. Uh, he's not one of the top scores back. I mean, he was a 10 points a game type of guy, but one of the top rebounders, one of the top shot blockers are back. Not one of the best shooters. Well, I guess from the field he was 50%, but from three, I mean, he was under 30%. But Drum Tang's going to play that up. He's going to let the world know next Wednesday that, uh, yeah, the coaches probably got that one wrong. That Naquan Tomlin should have been considered for sure and voted on by the league's coaches for honorable mention, all Big 12. I mean, he was he's the top returner from an Elite 8 team. And, uh, you know, a snub? I, th- I think so. I do think so. I think Naquan Tomlin definitely deserves to be. On this list, but it's not. I like the bulletin board material. There should always be a little something, K-State. I mean, K-State football arrives with really no negative bulletin board material, and now basketball has some. I, I, I appreciate the bulletin board material. Something to be a little bit upset. Now, 
K-State football, I just want to touch on this real quick, and we're going to get to Ryan Hyatt here pretty shortly. Uh, so we got to get this phone call out to him here very soon. But um, I just want to say with K-State football, just speaking from the heart right now, first of all, if you're listening in your car, honk your horn if you're feeling good about Saturday. Now, even if you are feeling good, I'm sure, you know, you didn't honk your horn, but I would imagine it may be less than 50-50. Feeling good about this game at Texas Tech, you know, even if K-State was, you know, 4-1 and one right now, maybe even undefeated, and Texas Tech had a more of above 500 record, you may still not be feeling like, oh yeah, K-State can go in there and cruise because Texas Tech was considered one of the best teams in the Big 12 heading into the year. A dark horse for the Big 12 championship game in Arlington, but the thing is, both teams are you know, underachieving right now. It's a gut check game for K-State, and I will say that I think you would even extend that to a must-win, no doubt about it, because you're looking for multiple things that result in a win, but a lot of that's on the offensive side of the football. You didn't see much improvement from the bye week. You saw some lazy play from wide receivers. Will maybe being too aggressive again with some of the passes leading towards some interceptions. Offensive line did not have a consistent day. Really, I I don't really have anything too bad to say about the running game with Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. They, they're running their, their tails off. Uh, in case they back-to-back games over 200 yards rushing. But the offense has still a lot to figure out. And now you're wondering, is this the time for Avery Johnson to play? Is it time to maybe start looking at some young guys at wide receiver to add a spark and add some athleticism to the offense? Because the offense definitely needs it. It's lacking athleticism. There's not enough athleticism with this current group of wide receivers right now. They're not playing to their fullest potential. And the one I've been surprised about the most, especially from the Oklahoma State game, is Keegan Johnson. Keegan played a, cons- a, a a crazy amount of snaps less in the Oklahoma State game than the UCF game. It was like 20 less, and he didn't have a catch until the fourth quarter. It's mind-boggling. The thing is, the offense needs that spark, and you got to find it from athleticism. I am not at all saying that Will Howard should be benched. Not at all. Not at all. I, I'm still a big believer in Will. Absolutely. I, I'm confident in Will that he will overcome these mistakes. I mean, without him, K-State does not win a Big 12 championship. But Avery Johnson is a freak athlete, and we saw glimpses of that so far in a couple of games, but he played meaningful snaps against Missouri. K-State struggled to run the ball against Missouri, and he was that little spark they needed to move the ball when they needed to. Avery's too good of an athlete I think at this point, to not have him in the lineup in some way. And again, I'm not saying bench Will Howard, but get the athletes on the field. Get Avery Johnson on the field, and let's see what he can do. If K-State struggles, I think you absolutely have to put him in. And then the other question is like a, you know, a Jace Brown, a Trey Spivey, some of these freshmen that are considered potentially the, the future of wide receiver who are pretty good athletes, Will they have the opportunity to play? I think there's a good chance of that because Chris Kleiman said it 
on Tuesday that, yeah, they'll start to look at some younger guys to maybe get some snaps, get a little bit deeper into the depth chart at wide receiver, give them a shot. Let's see if we can get a spark from them. And we're going to hear from the coordinators later on in this hour. But Colin Klein even said, you know, they would maybe first look at Jace Brown. He'd be the leader of the pack right now. But we'll see. You know, of course, he's not going to give too much away. But I think it's all necessary right now. You got you, you to try something with some better athletes. I'd still have optimism that this wide receiver group that is currently playing of Keegan Johnson, Phillip Brooks, Jaden Jackson, you know, those guys, and, and along with, you know, Ben Sennett, can be really good. But they're not getting separation. And I was very upset about the lack of effort that I saw against Oklahoma State to the fact where, you know, it, it absolutely deserved a butt chewing. Like, you get back to the sideline, I know that's not what really happens anymore in high school, college athletics, but when it's that kind of effort, you're so frustrated, you got to let it out. And you got to get the point across that that can't happen. So, and, and hearing from the players after the game, I know they were just incredibly frustrated after that. Incredibly frustrated that they lost the game the way they did and how it was just kind of dominated by Oklahoma State for a while. And I don't really have anything to say about about the defense. I mean, really, if you add it all up, take away, you know, what was basically handed to Oklahoma State from the K-State offense, Cats defense only gave up about 19 points against Oklahoma State. You'll absolutely take that. A bunch of field goals. It was Benbo, don't break. But 19 points in a Big 12 game is fantastic. K-State's run defense, um, you know, gave up, it's first 100-yard rusher, but still four yards a carry. And, uh, by the way, still seven tackles for losses. Season low is an incredible season low. So this game in Lubbock, and again, I think K-State is very similar than different to Texas Tech. We're going to talk about the Red Raiders in a moment, but I'll just say this before we talk to Ryan Hyatt. This will be a one-score game. Win or lose, this is going to be a one-score game. But if it's a loss... You're talking panic button at that time. And I think, you know, speaking for the fan base, that is panic button time. Because now you're one and two in Big 12 play. You're coming home for a couple that you hope you can win. But at this point, you're now not taking anything for granted. And the Cats have lost to a couple of teams that you certainly feel like they should beat. So who knows every given day on who's going to win or lose. But a win could do so much. You're talking about a win against Texas Tech. You have TCU and Houston coming in next. You win those, and guess what? You're in the exact same scenario you were last year when you played Texas at home. The only thing is, the goal, of course, is still to get to Arlington. And right now, that talk, like thinking Big 12 championship game, I'm not really there yet. But, of course, that's a goal. This is the kind of season, two losses in the Big 12 there's a chance, and there's a pretty decent chance, that doesn't get you to Arlington. More than two losses, in because it's you know it's because of how good Oklahoma and Texas is. You need Oklahoma to slope up. You need to beat Texas for sure to get there. Two losses in Big 12 play this year just might not get you there. But again, one score game is going to probably get it done, and there's going to be a lot of gut-wrenching, tight games, nervous, edgier-seat type of finishes that we're going to have to grind out through this year to determine K-State's fate 
at the end of the season. But I'm still crazy optimistic. I really am because I know how talented this team is. They're extremely talented. It just needs now to come together and just go get a win in te- at, at Texas Tech. That's all you got to worry about. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we speak with the founder of the Raiderland.com, Ryan Hyatt. It's our Texas Tech preview when we come back on the game. Pre-game coverage Saturday, 3-2 K-State at 3-3. Three three. Texas Tech has sold out Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock. It's also another blackout like K-State faced last Friday at Oklahoma State. Pre-game coverage at 2 in the afternoon. And uh, the game kicks off a few minutes after 6. Also televised on FS1. But, of course, you can hear the game right here on K-Man. Wyatt, Stan, and Matt on the call. It's time to preview the 3-3 three and 2-1 three and and in conference play Texas Tech Raid Raiders as we're now joined by the founder of the Raiderland.com, Ryan Hyatt. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, like K-State, and I think there's more similarities than more differences than there are between K-State and Texas Tech, including just gut-wrenching, maddening, rip-your-own-head-off type of losses and Tech has had three of those. Which one did you age more during, Wyoming, Oregon, or West Virginia? Uh, definitely West Virginia. The Wyoming thing, uh, non-conference, and that was just a, a slow, painful uh, march towards the finality of that, where after the first two series, the offense said, wow, this is beautiful country. We're just going to look around at the mountains and not do anything. Oregon, you felt like you were matching them. Just, you're just not quite as talented as they are, and the pick six at the end made the score look a little worse and, and kind of painful. But, uh, no, West Virginia, because it's in West Virginia. And even though I wasn't in Morgantown, I felt like I was in Morgantown. And if you know what that feels like, you know it's never good. Uh, you, you get the annual, uh, oh, the starting quarterback is now hurt, injured, and probably out for the season moment there. And, again, you're, you're giving the football away multiple times to a team that, quite frankly, uh, Texas Tech shouldn't have lost to. So, yeah. West Virginia is the uh, the red badge of courage this year for the uh, painful loss. Offensively, the load for Taj Brooks, senior running back, has been more with 24 carries a game over the last four. He's right now third in the Big 12, just under 115 yards a game. And what I like about him is his six yards per carry. Has that been the big difference for the offense after the first two losses, just giving him the rock more and establishing the run game? 100%, and this is not a knock on Tyler Shuck, and, and both he and Morton and really any quarterback in this Kitley offense and the McGuire offense has the ability and the latitude to change the play at the line, but Shuck was checking out of uh, a lot of running back plays calling his own number or just not running the football, and I think that we have seen over the last few weeks Baron Morton, uh, if, if not checking into the run, not checking out of it. And I think Zach Kitley has realized we're a lot better when the guy who has running back in his title is actually running the football. So it's been a concerted effort to get him the ball, and that has opened up some things. It's opened up some things downfield in the passing game. Uh, it has forced them to build a heavier box, and that takes away one less DB, and Tech's got some good matchups out of that with the tight ends. And uh, you, you saw that with Baylor Cup last week. You've seen it with Mason Tharp when he's healthy. So uh, it's really uh, kind of a throwback first and we'll figure it out after that interesting nugget for Taj Brooks that he has the most rushing yards which right now 688 through six games since for Tech since Ricky Williams in 1998 sidetrack 
How annoying was it that Texas had a guy by the same name at the same position? It was a little bit better. Yeah, it was Little Ricky versus Big Ricky, and that was a classic uh, Spike Dykes early Mac Brown matchup in '98. The Tech one in Lubbock, and I guess it made them mad because they hung like a double nickel on them in Austin the next year. But yeah, uh, that Ricky Williams, uh, a dynamite back that gets lost to history because he wasn't the other Ricky Williams. But didn't Tech win the battle in '98? Yeah, one in Lubbock, big big win, okay. big win. Probably Spike's last. Uh, kind of real signature victory uh, there in, in 1998. With Taj Brooks running the ball more and putting up some nice numbers, four straight games with over 100 yards rushing, when is the last time Tech has played four straight games and had under 200 yards passing? I thought I was hallucinating when I saw that. You have to go back to the 90s to, to find that, truly. I, I think I – I, uh, I, I, if they gave that number out the other night, I didn't hear it, but I, w- I would think you really would have to go back 20-some-odd years to find a time like that. Maybe maybe in Mike Leach's first year in the transition year with Cliff Kingsbury, but uh, it, it, it's just weird to see. And, you know, I'll give them credit because there's a, a segment of the fan base that thinks if you're not throwing it, you know, 500 times a game and, and got, you know, what you didn't pass for 350 yards, what's wrong? And they're able, they're, they're having to kind of re-educate some fans around here that, you know, you can win football games and run the ball. It's okay. So Tech averaging about 220 through the air. That's kind of right in the middle of the, uh, of the pecking order for uh, FBS football. 11 yards per completion is 99th in the nation. But now Baron Morton is going to be your guy for a while. Retro sophomore who will be making his – Third straight start taking on the Cats uh, in Lubbock for the injured Tyler Shuck. What do you feel like right now the passing game is? You touched on it a little bit earlier, but now moving forward with Baird Morton, do you think it can become better with him at quarterback? I think it will, and Baird Morton's still dinged up. Late in the West Virginia game, he got a shoulder injury, so going into Houston, he didn't he didn't take a snap during the week uh, leading into the Houston game, played fairly effectively. They said he got about 50% of the snaps uh, last week going into that win for Texas Tech. Have you know? Have not heard a report on uh, exactly how many snaps he's taken this week. So I think as he as he gets a little healthier, it's going to look a little bit better. He can make all the throws. He's got a good arm. Uh, you know, he'll take some more chances with the ball than Tyler Shuck did. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. So I, I do think you're going to see that number get a little little more productive just by virtue of that. But for the time being, this is going to be a run-first offense. It's going to work because Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez are working. It's probably not going to work too well. One more thing on the offense I want to touch on fourth downs because Joey McGuire goes for it a ton. If I were to give a blackjack reference, he hits on 16 every time. (laughs) Ten conversions on uh, on 17 attempts. That's a pretty good clip. But the question is, is there a magic number, like a a fourth in blank, that – all right, that's too far. Joey McGuire would never go for that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we saw last week, though, in Waco, early on, 7 nothing. It was about fourth and five around midfield, the tech side of the field. He uses Austin McNamara, he punts, and he pins him back. And he does it again later on. And I, I said Saturday night, Monday, that we may have seen a little bit of a paradigm shift that with the defense playing well, in those moments that he, he decided to go for a little field position, and it worked out for him. So... Uh, I was kind of shocked, quite frankly, that he 
it, I mean, it wouldn't have stunned me at all in either of those situations if they'd gone for it. They didn't. Uh, everything is analytics now. This entire uh, conversation is analytics right now. Uh, we looked at the chart and said we should have this conversation. So, yeah, he'll go for it, but I am seeing more and more situationally whether, where it's gutalytics. That he's, he may be looking at that chart and say, hey, it says if we get it here, it goes up. But he's, looking, he's listening to his gut and going, our defense is playing so well, we can make this even better if we punt. So he will go for it, I promise you, a handful of times Saturday. And some of those will be some head scratchers, but I, I don't know. I think he's trusting this defense a little bit more. Gutalytics, that's a good word. Snyder never had that as one of his 16 goals, so I'm going to have to write that one down. Yeah, uh, put down gutalytics. We are speaking with our good friend Ryan Hyatt, who's also the founder of the Raiderland.com, to the defensive side. And again, I this is kind of where I see K-State and Tech kind of being some similar teams at times. Uh, you know, Cat's been doing a pretty good job lately of running the football over 200 yards in the last two games. But I, I remember watching the Oregon game, and I was glued to that game. Tech did a pretty solid job of stopping the run in that contest, and now Tech is only allowing 3.5 yards per carry. I want to mix the run defense along with the pass rush, the guys in the box for Tech. What issues can they give K-State? Uh, you know, Tim DeRuiter is really creative bringing edge pressure and tech did a lot of that early in the year. They just weren't getting home with it. They just either didn't get there in time to get the sack or they were real loose in their rush lanes. They have become more disciplined pass rushers, not allowing the quarterback to escape over the last few games. So that has been productive. And you, you just look at, uh, you know, Hutchinson, you look at some of these guys that have come back and they really control the A and B gap pretty effectively that you're going to have to, for the most part, try to get outside of them or they're going to bring the linebackers into play. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's, he's really good with what I call two- and three-man concept games, talking about DeRuiter, that he can take two or three guys, move them around, stunt here, run gap here. We used to call it a zone blitz. He can drop guys into you know, a short coverage lane and bring somebody at the quarterback that they're not expecting. Uh, but it requires a real disciplined defense. They weren't disciplined in the first couple of games. They've been more disciplined the last few weeks. And then also defensively, another comparison for these two is Texas Tech and K-State. Bottom of the Big 12 right now in, in pass defense. As Tech has allowed the most completions, are allowing 244 a game. K-State's given up more yardage than that. But K-State's looking to you know, correct specific things, not give up as many big plays. And, and K-State will also be without a, a starting corner. Is there anything specific Tech is trying to fix right now in the secondary? I think just better coverage, uh, just leaky bust here and there. You'll go two plays and look really good, and all of a sudden, somebody's either you know depending on you know the post game examination, well they weren't run lined up right, you know they didn't have a good fit on it, or their eyes were in the wrong place. I don't know, but they'll have a bust and they'll give up a chunk play. They'll give up a thirty yarder. They'll give up something like that. And you know the teams that have had success have continued trying against them going downfield and finding something that you may have three or four plays in a row that don't look all that great, but then you get a big one. So it'll be interesting to see the attack that Kansas State takes on that secondary. So K-State's a little bit banged up in the secondary, most likely corner Will Lee not playing. Jacob Parrish should be available for today. And of course, you know, middle linebacker Daniel Green out for the season. Where is Tech right now health-wise? Anything to report on? Uh, getting better. They expect Mason Tharp, uh, another one of their tight ends, to be back in the mix, I think, this week. We mentioned Morton. He's getting getting better for all reports. Uh, let's see if uh, Bryce Ramirez, a uh, talented uh, defensive lineman linebacker, really more of an edge guy, however you want to uh, consider him, took a big hit, uh, and we think he may be in concussion protocol. 
that hurts some of your depth right there on that on that defensive front, five, six, seven guys that you want to rotate through. Beyond that, about as healthy as most college teams are going to be right now. Now, I'm no meteorologist, but I've been to Lubbock a few times, and I <clears throat> excuse me, I noticed the weather uh, high around 69 and uh, not a whole lot of wind. For October, is that a little off? It's about right this time of year. It's okay. going to be dry. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a nice, crisp day. You may be here. Uh, you know, this may be the perfect football day of the year, uh, really, when we get right down to it. That uh, if we can keep that wind down, it ought to feel really good. And uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Is we've had a long, hot summer, and we, I could use a little fall. Well, this game feels 50-50. Could go either way. Cats trying to bounce back, and uh, of course, Texas Tech trying to win four of their last five. But Ryan, as always, I uh, greatly appreciate your time, and look forward to talking to you down the road. You got it, man. It's always a great time to visit with you guys. Once again, the founder of the Raiderland.com, Ryan Hyatt, joins us here on The Game. Uh, we take our next break, and when we come back, we check in with the offenses and defensive coordinators for K-State, Colin Klein and Joe Klarneman, ahead of Texas Tech. That's coming up next on The Game. Hour two features Mitch in Vegas along with uh, Curry Sexton jerking the curtain to the second hour of the show. Going to hear from Colin Klein and Joe Klanderman in just a moment. I want to remind everybody there's been a change to the K-State soccer kick time for today's game. It was supposed to be – actually, hold on just a second. Um, so it was originally 7 o'clock. It's been moved up to 5 o'clock, so they actually kick in about 13 minutes, taking on West Virginia at Boozer Family Park. So uh, uh, the, the Soccer Cats looking for their first ever victory against um, the Mountaineers. Uh, West Virginia 5-7-3, K-State 3-9-3. All right, let's, let's get this all worked in here because uh, I'm going to hear uh, abbreviated portions of each press conference earlier today at Veneer with K-State Offensive Coordinator Colin Klein and Defensive Coordinator Joe Klanneman and obviously looking to correct basically and improve everything on the offensive side of the football. Here's Colin Klein with the media earlier today. What happened at Oklahoma State? <laughs> Well, a lot did and, and a lot didn't, you know, and it's uh, obviously a frustrating night uh, in a lot of different areas. Um, probably, <clears throat> you know, it's we've we've got to find um, and, and be better at at consistently getting better in all phases of the offense week to week. You know, we haven't been able to stack two or three where, you know, uh, all areas have, have been improving and that's been um, obviously uh, disappointing. You know, I think uh, biggest things is, is when you're on the road, we have to take care of the football and, and we can't get penalties and, and have mental errors. And uh, obviously it's any time you take uh, little, you know, it's, it's very easy to start taking little things for granted. That's from our perspective, starts with us as a staff and, and you know, down to our players and, and those little those little, little things add up really, really fast. And, and that, that's what leads to a performance like that. Does that impact Will Howard's confidence at all? Uh, you know, I, I know, uh, shoot, uh, I know he was, he was hurting for sure, you know, after, after a loss like that. And, and you play the quarterback position at, at a high level at one point or another. Uh, uh, it's you know sometimes you you know it may happen you know and and those those stick with you. I know I was 
uh, one comes to mind for myself, you know, and, and so that's never a, never a good deal. But as far as a true confidence thing, uh, I, I don't believe so. Because of uh, the confidence he has is, is genuine and real and something that he's built over a long period of time and uh, knows the belief that uh, I have in him, coach has in him, and, and we all, his teammates have in him, that, uh, you know, it's obviously something you never want to have to have to go through, but but at the end of the day, it's uh, you know it's a uh, it was a tough one, but he'll he'll be fine. You played Avery in some games, you played <coughs> in others. What's gone into those decisions, and is it just a week by week thing with him? Yeah, to to this point, um, you know, at least when it's when it's been close, uh, <coughs> you know, it's been a little bit of a feel, been a little bit of a uh, schematically some of the things that we had in the game plan for uh, how what we thought we were going to get to to provide us an advantage. Um, you know, I think we've got a good plan for uh, for Avery moving forward. Uh, you know, in this week, but uh, but obviously, uh, will will be the main you know the main guy. So that's kind of how uh, you know we've worked it. But um, again, he's uh, not, uh, you know he's 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 going to be just fine. Are there, are there any other receivers we haven't seen a ton of this season? You think could still help you moving forward? Uh, you know, I think there's a chance. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a couple young guys that, uh, you know, could get in there. I'd say probably Jace Brown would jump to the top of the list uh, in my head for that, that uh, uh, might get on the field and, and have a chance to make an impact. Once again, that's offensive coordinator Colin Klein. And, uh, you know, he and Will Howard taking quite a bit of criticism over this past week, getting up to the game on Saturday against Texas Tech because – you know, Will Howard struggles with the three interceptions. Although I, you know, on second look, I rewatched the game again, and you know, the second one, I'll take it back, wasn't really on Will Howard, more on Philip Brooks. But you know, some of the play calling was criticized earlier this week as well, right here on the show. And on second look, you know, there were a couple of plays I did not like, and it wasn't taking the defense. You know, what the defense gives you, you you're not taking it on some of those plays. There was a jet sweep that I didn't like that went right into the heavy part of of the uh, Oklahoma State coverage. So. Again, all around the board, the offense is looking for improvement and consistency. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, it's kind of still the same thing, not giving up the big plays, and also just trying to figure out how to start forcing some turnovers. Uh, here was uh, D.C. Joe Claneman with the media earlier today. For the first time this season, you had a 100-yard rusher against you. What, what was different about that Oklahoma State game? Um, yeah, I thought uh, probably for the first time this season, maybe we didn't win the physical battle at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, it was um, there were certainly some individual individual matchups that I thought we did an okay job with, but uh, by and large, I thought uh, they were the more aggressive football team. And um, and and I, I think when we're not making plays in their backfield, you know, that that uh, when we're playing on our side of the line of scrimmage, it's never going to be a good thing. But they did a nice job of you know squirting the ball out on the perimeter and dinking and dunking and and kind of. Getting us a little bit tentative, and uh, and that's uh, that's that's the end result. Is available to you at cornerback for Saturday? Uh, Jacob's progressing, but it's still going to be a, a questionable. Uh, and Willie's in the same boat, questionable. What are a few things you guys can do to create a few more turnovers on defense? Yeah, you know we've we've kind of fallen into this. Uh, you know we're, we're playing a lot more man coverage, which I think. Inherently is going to maybe with less eyes on the football sometimes that that ends up uh, being a being a team uh, you know a situation that creates less turnovers um, just because you don't have as many eyes on balls 
Um, I don't. We're not doing anything differently than we've done in the past. Um, we couldn't be emphasizing it more. I mean, we do turnover circuits all the time. Um, we drill it. We watch it. We do it in practice. It's just not materializing on game day, you know. And I think sometimes turnovers are, you know, they're magical things. You know, sometimes they come in bunches, and then sometimes you go into droughts. But again, I think when we play with aggression and uh, when we just have that mentality, I think that's when those things start to happen a little bit more frequently. How much confidence do you have in? Um Guys like Keenan and Justice, Justice James, right? Justice James. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to get it wrong. But how much confidence do you have in that, that duo when they're out there on the field together? A ton of confidence. You know, those guys are good football players. I think they're good in, in certain areas. And I'll say it this way, you know, uh, Keenan Garber is a phenomenal man cover player. He's one of the fastest guys we have on our team. He's got good ball skills. Um, I think he does a really good job in that setting. You know, is he the guy that we want uh, on the LOS? That would be Justice's department. You know, I think, uh, and, and they're both good football players. They just need, they need time. You know, they need, they need experience, and we're working like heck to get them that during the week. And then on Saturdays, I hope that confidence that they gain during the week carries over the game. Once again, that is uh, Joe Klanerman, defensive coordinator for the Cats. And I just want to mention as well what I think is going to really improve the most on Saturday defensively is I think the defense is going to force some turnovers. Baron Morton has thrown a couple already this year, some bad throws. He's got that injured shoulder. Um, K-State's going to bring pressure, and I think that will resort in a couple of of turnovers. And without Willie, potentially, we'll see about the secondary as uh, Texas Tech's been a bit of a surprise, not explosive too much in the passing game. Curry Sexton, Mitch in Vegas, and more of the show in Hour 2 is coming up next in Social Local News.